and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is Tim and Friends for Tuesday, December 13th. 90 minutes of whole grain sporting goodness is scheduled for your viewing pleasure. The NHL Board of Governors is on the plate. Rosh Stripling to the Giants of San Francisco is on the play. And a World Cup semifinal puts the GOAT conversation back on the table and maybe even on the same kind of plate that we're talking about. We also got some Bo Horvat statements and comments. Statement and comments. Either way you look at it, we got some Bo Horvat coming up. Safe to say, Jesse Rubioff, we have a uh, we have a few things to talk about today. Yeah, it's going to be a name. little bit incorrectly that's there okay. they roll that's it actually together. i think the first time you've ever screwed up my name jesse rubin almost two years of doing the show so that's an impressive run for you i uh, i appreciate that but i run did, of greatness uh, i did uh i did butcher it that's okay yeah, i apologize no, to the I'm, entire rubinoff not offended crew. not offended at all good. none of them are either it's all good <laughs> awesome but I we do have a few that. things to talk about don't we yeah, it's going to be one of the, one of the busier uh, hour and a half shows that we've <laughs> yes. had in a while. Uh, they all are so so days. busy. We'll, we'll have a lot of things to talk about, like 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 whether or not this dude should have just stayed in his car. It's a flat screen TV. Uh oh, I don't like the direction this is going. It's getting out. Door open. Oh no! Grab the handle. <laughs> Grab the handle. Do we do we sit through the entire thing one more time, like, or do we just let that one go? No, it, it, like he should have. Yeah, no, play it again. Yeah. <laughs> what's 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 going on here? Like, so okay, explain this. So this is not his TV. No, he's watching Obviously. a couple watching getting couple, prepared yes. to put their new Best Buy TV in the back of their car. So can, it starts can, rolling away. Right, conflicted now. Do I film or do I save the TV? And then gets there and... Like, do you think your your inclination would be to crack? The curve is so good, like always. It never misses. <laughs> oh, it never do you think you have the correct. wherewithal to grab the TV and not the not the cart? Well, well here, here's where you and I both have the wherewithal. We would put the phone down. Yeah. Both I, of I us would I, put I the phone down. Yeah. Now, whether or not you would grab the TV after would be something that you could debate. But he mm -hmm. only had one hand because his other hand was holding the phone. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I don't think that... What's, he or okay. she. So he or she, mm -hmm. was he or she filming uh, because he saw, he or she saw the TV rolling away or filming something else? I'm going no. real deep on this. Now, Just whether or not these things are planned... We yeah. don't even know that anything happened to the TV. They're probably like family. The TV, and they coordinated the whole thing. The TV could be fine. <laughs> the TV could be fine. That's true. They're durable right? these days. After all of this. Good technology. Packed in one of those boxes tight with all that styrofoam. You ever pulled a, a TV out of that one of those damn things? So what do you... <laughs> There's a lot of styrofoam in there. So what do you do now? So he turns around, tells oh. the couple, hey, the TV's broken. You walk <laughs> back in and say, I open the... 
I opened the box and the TV was broken. Now, you pull one they, of those. You're going deep dive. That's what Larry David would do. A hundred without a doubt, Larry David. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. I think a lot of people would, to be honest. All right, on with the show. We got things to talk about. Nick Caprios bringing a little smoker fire for the final half hour of the show. Shai Davidi bringing the Jays fire in about 20 minutes. And Diana Matheson, Canadian footballing legend, trailblazer. She and her company are starting a professional soccer league in our home and native land. Announced last week, today. We will talk about the excitement, we'll talk about how to fill the seats, and how to make it sustainable so little girls can dream big too. All that coming up, but first things first, so let's make it a hit, Shofi Schmidt. First things first. first. Yeah. I Shofi Schmidt too. <laughs> I screwed up Rubinoff and I Shofi Schmidt. All over the place, Jesse. Oh, for two, but if you get everything else right, you're gonna be in the 90% I Shofi so Schmidt good. all over the place. <laughs> Darn it all. Let's That's begin good. with the World Cup. Let's move on quickly Very from funny. Sophie Schmidt, another Canadian footballing legend that I was trying to give a little love to. And in the end, again, I Sophie Schmidt it's all the over the goes. place. The World goes. Cup, semifinal number one, Qatar. Went down a short time ago. Argentina looking to reach their sixth final and second for Leo Messi as he chases his elusive first World Cup title. Taking on Croatia, looking to get to a second straight final and in a crazy twist of fate, the midfield matchup mm. of Messi and Modric, not only magnificent, but as mentioned, somewhat fateful. Back in 2006, Modric made his full international debut in the same game that Messi scored his first international goal. Look at these two so young cool. pups wearing two different numbers before they would take over the 10 and almost goat each one of themselves. 16 years later, we had this. Messi leading Argentina with his 25th World Cup appearance tied for most all time. 32nd minute, Dominic Livakovic takes down Julian Alvarez in the area. I thought this was a debatable penalty. In the end, it was awarded. Lino Messi steps up and look at this with absolute disdain. Can't stop that. Buries it. No, guessed right, could yeah, not stop no, that. No 11th World Cup goal, most by an Argentine player ever, and at 1-0, they would add to it. Messi looks to nick it clear, and nick it clear he has, and Alvarez is on his way, and he is not alone, and he keeps on plowing. Julian Alvarez! Sensational! Solo! Length of the field! Couple nice bounces, wonderful run, good finish, 2-0 Argentina, but Messi is not done. Watch this ridiculousness. And they're facing Messi here. Messi held up by Guardiol. Messi away from Guardiol. Watch the bag on the pass as well. Third tournament game with a goal and an assist in this year's World Cup. Argentina advanced to the World Cup final for the second time in three editions. 3-0 is the final, Jesse, as Argentina full credit for what they put on today. Um, it's hard to put into words uh, the domination that that man 
exhibited today, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I felt like the game twisted, though, on what was a debatable penalty call mm-hmm. because now you put – and listen, Croatia's caught back a ton in this tournament, right? Like, yeah. they haven't scored the first goal once in this tournament, mm-hmm. and yet here they are in the semifinals. But I thought that the penalty put Croatia in a spot where they needed to push, and pushing against this Argentina team and Lionel Messi puts them in a way different spot than it does against most other nations on planet Earth. The way that he's playing and the way that they are playing, it's hard to believe that uh, this is a team that lost to Saudi Arabia. Like, doesn't that seem like it was four World Cups ago? Like, that didn't happen in this World Cup. Remember when Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia? (laughs) It's ridiculous. Everyone got a Bentley, and Argentina is now in the finals. (laughs) People were mocking Messi. People were mocking Argentina. And now look at them. So it just... it, it, It was hard to imagine that this could be the result. But now, moving forward, if Argentina is to win... Oh, doctor. I'm going there. I'm going there. We, if, already, we already went there on our Twitter account. We did. It's okay. Yeah. If Argentina is to win the World Cup, do you consider Messi the GOAT? Some soccer? say he already is. Mm-hmm. Many say he already is. I mentioned the 25th World Cup appearance, ties the record set by Lothar Mateus. He passes Gabriel Bajestuta to become Argentina's all-time leading World Cup goal scorer. He is the oldest man to ever score five goals at a single World Cup. And one of the criticisms of Lionel Messi before this World Cup was he had never scored a goal in the World Cup knockout stage. Mm -hmm. He has now scored in the final 16. He has scored in a quarterfinal. And he has scored in a semifinal. And that was a tour de force. And some might even forget that he was the one that sent the ball to Julian Alvarez for him to make the run on the second goal. And let's not dispute what Alvarez did. He was remarkable in this game. But it was an absolute tour de force from Messi. And I don't know that you can change the opinion of those who are in CR7's camp. I don't know that you can do that. Mm -hmm. I do know that I've had conversations, not with the guy that used to sit here, but conversations with friends of mine who said CR7 was the best, who have now changed it to CR7 was the most dominant. Mm. In light of Messi's recent success. In light of the Copa America, Uh and now in light of him being in a World Cup final against one of France or Morocco. Even the guy who used to sit here, Sid Sixero, who once famously said that Lionel Messi was an international fraud, tweeted this out moments ago. I don't think it matters who wins tomorrow. Nobody is stopping that man on Sunday. If Sixero is tweeting that out, I don't think he is going to say that Messi is the best. But I'm going to tell you right now, for many who thought that they didn't have a side in this fight, it will go over the top when Messi wins the World Cup, if Messi wins I was, the World Cup. <laughs> I was going to caveat that, when or if. When or if. Uh, let's get to a couple of responses. So we asked, would you consider Messi the GOAT if he wins the World Cup? Here are some of the answers. Uh, Jean-Francois, is he the best of this era? Yes, GOAT, not sure. He sure is in the conversation for top three with Pele, Maradona, and some I may forget. Eusebio? Well, if you forget them, then... I guess they're probably not too I'm trying prominent. to help them out. And Dominic, if they're still talking about him 50 years from now, the same way we talk about Pelé, then maybe. Uh, 
No, but goat conversations are very subjective and entirely played out. <laughs> I, I would, while I laugh at that, I would argue that they might be the most talked about conversations in all of sports. Yeah, it, like, yeah, in every league. In like every it's, league, it's in every sport. Like the yeah. Jordan and LeBron debate has been going on basically since he came out of St. Vincent St. Mary's right. LeBron. It's ridiculous. Right. Uh, just do a couple more here and then we'll move on. Uh, he is literally the GOAT right now, says Marcel, and I know that's something that you started your answer with. Mm -hmm. uh, many people share that belief. Ryan says he's already the greatest, whether he wins it or not. Would be a nice capper, though. So, uh, yeah, a I lot think, of people think he is the greatest already. Yeah, I think that's probably the response that we got the most. Like, if it's up for debate, I don't think it's up for debate, but if it's up for debate, then this would put him over the top. By the way, Luka Modric. Can I just, like, for one quick second, Legend. like, standing ovation. I don't know what the future holds for Modric internationally, but dear God, mm -hmm. he is yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. And let me just say this, all right? That's a country of four million people who just went to their second straight Final Four in the World Cup and made the final last time around. Honestly, I know you're not in the mood for it, Croatia, but dear God. That's, an, uh, that's Toronto making the World Cup Final Four and or Toronto making a World Cup yeah. Final. And I'm not even mentioning how good Croatia is in basketball or tennis or how immigrants to other countries who are Croatian represent those other countries. Good on you. Luka Modric might be one of my favorite players of yeah. absolute all time, and I have no rooting interest. I'm not Croatian. I have no Croatian lineage in my blood. I'm just watching and saying this guy was an absolute magician, mm -hmm. and he carried this team yeah. a lot. So I mean, good on you, Luka Modric, and good on you, Croatia. I know it's not the time, but dear God, four million people and two straight Final Fours is an accomplishment. Yeah, grinded through this World Cup as well. Uh, Diana Matheson, Matheson coming up a little bit yeah, later, and we will continue the soccer conversation. For now, let's go to the NHL. The Board of Governors meetings wrapped up earlier today in Florida. Commissioner Gary Bettman said the league currently projects a salary cap will increase by $1 million next season to around $83.5 million, but he added that it could go up more if the revenue exceeds expectations. Uh -huh. The budgeting projections that we have now are pretty robust. We're anticipating having a very good season, but if we do even better by ballpark an additional 140 or 150 million dollars, it's conceivable the escrow will go away uh, and then the cap will go up to 86 in the mid-range 86 plus uh, we'll have to see the sense I get from the questions you're asking is somehow there's now an expectation that the cap should be got more that's not what the agreement provides for based on the current circumstances is that a negotiation I'm sure players are thrilled to be hearing that answer does that feel like a negotiation to you I know you love this kind of stuff and I know that wasn't our planned question but when I heard the clip for the first time with the audience it almost feels like a negotiation. I just don't know why you'd expect anything different from Gary Bettman. Interesting. His whole track record, his yep. entire time as commissioner, is everything is not necessarily doublespeak, but he's a lawyer, so he speaks like one. Right. And he never gives you really a straight answer. Uh, so the players are, are probably going to be disappointed by that answer, but there is, it appears, an avenue that it could potentially be going up a little bit more than the $1 million. Do you think the salary cap deserves, for the player's sake, to be going up? No, more? not for the player's sake. 
Not for the player's sake. Mm -hmm. For the good of the game's sake. Right. Like, I get that this is tied to revenue and rules are rules and lawyers follow rules, but good teams can't make trades. Hell, good teams can't keep their own guys. And yes, you should not be bailed out of boneheaded deals. I firmly and utterly believe that. But you also should be able to retain the team that you've built. Tampa Bay Lightning have been shredded because their team is good <laughs> and the cap hasn't moved. Oh, and it just so happens that two Canadian teams hit the lottery and haven't won jack and can't keep their good players either. Sure, they paid their top stars a lot. I understand it. Was it too much? You be the judge of it. But it was based on the cap moving, and it hasn't moved in three years. And if Gary is right, it will go up all of $3 million in five years. To put that in perspective, the previous five years, it went up $11 million. Out of the lockout over the first five years, it went up $15 million over those five years. The Leafs, Oilers, and even the Canucks made bets on their young stars based on those numbers going up. So did the Tampa Bay Lightning and everyone's favorite GM, Steve Eiserman. Those bets have come up short in part because they can't surround those players, and that's because of this hard, flat cap. So pandemic, the show goes on, the NHL pays the freight, I understand all that, they gotta make the money back, I get it. There has to be some common sense played, and I can't help but wonder if the teams that were getting killed by the flat cap were in LA, New York, or Boston, instead of Edmonton, Vancouver, and Toronto, would the way this is tackled be a little bit different? Ooh, that is a very interesting point. Um, so is, in your mind, is the solution something like a, like a soft cap where there's of a- Of course it is, like, but they're never going to give that. We've been talking about this for like eight years mm -hmm. and no one's going to give that because everything is a negotiation. But my point, if I'm talking to Gary Bettman myself, is that for the good of the game, I think you need to introduce some sort of leeway here other than a million dollars. And I'm not just saying it because certain teams in this country are up against the cap. I'm saying it because there are teams that can't make deals, yeah. that are hamstrung because the cap's not moving. And if you're going to move it anyway, why not just go 3-3-3 three, three, and three instead of 1-4-5? and five? Aside from it being just a conservative business decision, which it, it appears this is what it is. It's from, a negotiation. It's a negotiation uh, from Negocios is negocios. Well, do you think there's a little to bit... To quote Sixero. <laughs> right? They'll yeah. give them this yeah. if the players give them something down the road. For sure. That's what this is. But do you think there's a little bit of Batman that is afraid of what would happen if you open up the door to a soft cap? Oh, yeah. No, no. They're, they're never... Never going, of, of never going to, uh, how many times on this show with you, without you, have I brought up some sort of luxury tax, yeah. some sort Steve Cohen of, tax. yes, whatever it is, they are never going to do that. They have, they know where their revenues are. They know what their profits are. They know that this hard cap makes them all more profitable mm -hmm. and that does them all good. Now let's turn around and ask if what's going on in Arizona is good for the players. <laughs> Right? Well, I mean, how they, much money is going to Arizona and how much money has gone to Arizona over the last few years? Yeah. Right? Could we add that to the salary cap? No, because negocios is a negocios. Right. Uh, since they're at the Board of Governors meetings, um, if you could change one rule in the National Hockey League. Oh, we're doing this. What would it be? 
I know we got a lot to get to, so I, it's just, but okay. I had to ask it because it's, it's, it's something is, that comes up. Mine is, and I'll say it quickly, and we'll let other people weigh in on this because I love the conversation. There's a limit on reviews to one minute. If you can't see that it's obvious. Brilliant. Love it. In the regular season, mm-hmm. we just move on. Love it. Postseason, there's no time limit. Get it right. Do it the way you've always done it. In the regular season, if you can't see it, that it's obvious in a minute, it's over. All the screens turn off. We're not playing this game where it's five minutes long. You. Uh, I'm going to go. Can I do two quickly? Very quickly. Yeah, sure. Okay. okay. Uh, puck over the glass is one of the dumbest rules in, of all time. I don't know how you fix it. So that's kind of on me. I should have come up with the solution. Okay. But the fact that it's just puck over the glass, even if it's intentional, unintentional, doesn't matter. It's a penalty. I think yeah. it's ridiculous. And then... Uh, Hard to judge intent, but go ahead. Yeah. yeah. This one should be changed for sure. And that is drawing blood is automatic four minutes. I, don't I, know I shave. I, I cut easily. I don't know what you're talking about. I cut easily. Guys, oh, they Sensitive cut, skin? They, some have sensitive skin. <laughs> Forget the bleeding part. How about this? Break an orbital bone? Two minutes. <laughs> cut a guy with the tip of the stick across the doing? cheek? Four minutes. Well, they're just making They're trying to make it easier. Oh, for, yeah. For of course it is. But, but you like, can smash on. someone's face and get two minutes because he's yeah. not bleeding. Yeah. Like, it is ridiculous. Like what That's we saw happen one. on the Ottawa bench. Like, yes. <laughs> you went to a teammate. Imagine that was like, he swung a, you could swing a stick like that, lo- hit someone in the face, and he's not bleeding, and it's two minutes. Then we would lose one of my favorite things of all time in all of sports, yeah, which checking. is the check for blood. I do it all the time when I fake run into poles walking soon. down the street. Just a little nick. Brilliant. And we just solved hockey, by the way. And by, and by the way. Yours. By the way. Yes. I would love to see more. If you, had, if you could change one rule, what is it? Uh, yes, we're going to ask At that. Tim and, and then the, the one-minute review should be in every league, not just hockey. I agree. Uh, okay, Kipper coming up a little bit later. Let's go to baseball. On a day after the Jays signed free agent starter Chris Bassett, former Jays starter Ross Stripling has reportedly signed a two-year, $25 million Trolling deal me, yeah. with the San Francisco Giants. Controlling me. Stripling, why? Played a huge role for the Jays last season. How big of a loss. Oh. You're boss, not trolling me. I thought it boss. was, why couldn't the Jays re-sign him at that number? Well, I don't know if we have the answer to that. I, I don't it's know if we have the answer to that answer. either. And I will say to those saying it right now, there might be other moves that would make sense with that sort of money. Uh, he was unbelievable in one of the team MVPs last year. And Ross Stripling deserves every dollar that he gets. It now makes sense that the Jays did not qualify him which would have been about 19 million dollars he ends up getting I, I thought reasonable I thought he would get more so I think everybody did yeah I, I thought he would get like more 15, in the free agent market but good for him uh he was unbelievable for the Toronto Blue Jays and I wish him nothing but the of best course. because of that chicken strip yeah chicken strip uh did his work so we'll, we'll keep an eye on this though I, I don't think the Jays would have been are nice, done would have been nice and we'll ask Shai Davidi about whether or not the Jays are done here. Yeah. And where they go next. And Kiermaier and Bassett and Stripling. All coming up. That's right. A show full of in-studio guests. Nick Kiprios will be by to discuss the salary cap that I just went off on. Also, Leafs, Oilers, Jets in action tonight. Some smoke or fire. Shai Davidi, as mentioned, on the Jays. And coming up next, Diana Matheson is spearheading a professional women's soccer league in this country. We will discuss that next right here on Tim. Jays have made a splash, my friends. Chris Bassett. 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 They have signed starter Chris Bassett. Three-year deal worth $63 million. As he swings out wide. Suzuki. 
scores! There will still be an escrow uh, at the end of the season, and if that's the case, we will uh, move the cap up by a million dollars. All right, any questions? Coach, I know you have strong thoughts on weddings. Go elope. Trust me on that. What's your favorite Halloween? Candy corn. I mean, I completely hate candy corn. Uh, the Trojan, is he, does he have a horse or is he on foot? Does he have a bow and arrow or just a sword? How do you want to be remembered? Well, that's their problem. They're the one writing the obituary. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. A week ago today, as a soccer fan, supporter, and sports person, I came out here and said, it's about bloody time that we had a women's domestic pro league in soccer, never mind basketball. I also had some questions, as I did for the CPL, the CEBL, about the sustainability of the league, and it was announced by my next guest, so this is perfect timing. Over 200 caps for country, a pretty damn big goal for country, and oh yeah, a BA from Princeton and currently working on an MBA from Queens. The founder of Project 8 in that domestic professional league, Diana Matheson, in studio. Thank you for coming in and doing this. It sounds like a lot of excitement and a lot of work. Where are you on the excitement and the work? Um, right in the middle. Um, yeah, we went, uh, went live after about seven months of work behind the scenes. We felt it was time. We had a few milestones, first two teams, first two sponsors, and then it's been um, lots of excitement. I think we, we achieved uh, our goals of making a lot of noise, and the response has been incredible. So I think at this point in the week, a little tired of hearing myself talk, but... <laughs> Not going to stop now. Okay, okay, we're not yet, so please bear, bear with us. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how many people watch the show, so I try and act like people are watching for the first time every time. I'm not sure what you saw about what I said or if the audience did. But uh, after over 4 million of you watched this national team get screwed, I mean, play the U.S. in the Olympic semifinals, uh, <laughs> I thought something like this would happen. And when you made it back-to-back -back in Rio, I thought something like this would happen and I thought maybe we get a pro team in this country after back-to-back -back podiums the gold medal win was the most watched thing at the summer games I thought we would get it that's a decade nothing is that why you decided to do it yourself uh yeah it was it was, it was past time right the, yeah. the best time was 10 years ago um, short of that the best time is now I retired 18 months ago you mentioned it. I've gone back to school to try and learn as much as I can about the landscape, get the executive MBA, um, get some UEFA knowledge about the business of football. And uh, during that, I, you know, no one had started it yet. And it was, I found myself a great business partner and we got to work seven months ago. And really, you know, the biggest obstacles here are known and it's just a matter of getting down to work and getting it going. Tell me a little bit about that UEFA program because I yeah. just saw it when you mentioned it in some of that talking head stuff that you did. It, it seems like a real interesting idea that one of soccer's governing bodies is saying, here we can help. Yeah, UEFA has some fantastic, um, they have U UEFA Academy, so they have different educational programs. They have some for agents, they have some for sporting directors. I'm in a UEFA master for international players, so it's something they started for former players originally started for former men's players but we've the women are infiltrating slowly <laughs> perfect um, that's just kind of a, a crash course in stadium operations uh, sporting director leadership management and just exposure to the world of European football which mm -hmm. is obviously 
you know, a few decades ahead of what we are in North America. Although it's interesting, everyone in UEFA loves American sport, and everyone in North America wants to be like UEFA. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wait till they start bringing up promotion and relegation in yeah. NHL hockey. Uh, I asked some of these questions of Mike Morreale when he started the CBL. Uh, I asked him of Scott Mitchell when he helped launch the CPL, because I really believe, and those who watch the show enough know, that domestic pro leagues are really important and they have to be sustainable otherwise there are severe ramifications so i asked because i give a bleep of those guys and i'm going to do the same with you but how do we make this league sustainable yeah i'd just like to piggyback on your point there domestic pro leagues are everything right. and it's really and we live here and we think it's normal in canada but you zoom out to the rest of the world especially in soccer it's not normal so if we're talking about what's needed in the soccer landscape domestic league all the way. Uh, is this sustainable? Yes. And the catalyst to get this started are ownership groups and sponsorship. And timing is, timing is everything. And the timing for this league coming into the market now is incredible. And the interest from the sponsorship space is really, really positive. Canadian right. companies leading the way. Uh, the case we're able to make to team owners for the return and investment on this, it's the same as men's sport. You buy in at a certain price and the value of your franchise is gonna do this. Mm -hmm. Um, and year over year, the model works at less than, you know, average 4,000 spectators is what we've built in. We've built right. in conservative sponsorship numbers, which we're already exceeding. So it, it's absolutely sustainable in our market. And our advantage is this is a new industry. Right. Women's professional sports, 20 years old. Right. It's growing and it's going to grow for two more decades. Soccer's at the front of that. And Canada's exceptional at women's sport. And no disrespect to any other league in Canada in, in men's sport, but women's soccer has the opportunity to be a top five league in the world, period. What else, what else can you say that about, you know? Right, it's because you guys can compete salary-wise, you guys can compete like right off Player the bat pool, with any, talent. With any yeah. league in any world, in any country? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we feel we can compete on average player salary and the difference in the women's game between you know the top leagues and the lower leagues is, is, is this. Right, small. <laughs> While I'm not on screen, small. Yeah. I gotcha. <laughs> or in the men's league, you know, the salary gap between uh, MLS and, and the rest of the world is you know 10 times that. So we right. can compete on salary. Third largest player pool in the world. Plus we already know we put out literally the world's best women's soccer players. Right. Over a hundred are playing abroad, as I mentioned last week. We could just bring them home and have a pretty damn good league. So I know you announced with only two of what you hope is eight teams. Is that a part of striking while the irons are hot? Yeah, it was A, generate more awareness yeah. and excitement because we are you know, going to spend the next six months finding the six other team ownership groups uh, and six other sponsors. So get the word out there box checked I think we did that right and just you know get some alignment and excitement in the soccer landscape I've spoken to hundreds of people over the last year and there's so many people that want to get behind us I mean yourself behind domestic leagues and if they don't know we're working on it they can't get behind us right. so so how close are you there. on other teams uh, we're we've got we've already got you know our inbox full after this announcement mm -hmm. uh, so we've we've definitely got some leads in a few markets and there's there's about 13 markets we're looking at. We want a team, you know, in central Canada. We want a team in Quebec. We want a team in the Maritimes. We right. want this to be coast to coast. Is Canada soccer on board? Yeah, they're fully supportive. And it's a really good thing for us yeah. that they did hire Bria Carr-Harris last year, head of women's professional soccer. Right. Because, A, she's been talking to people, too, for the last year. She's got a lay of the land. 
uh, and B, we now have this point of contact in Canada Soccer to work with right. next year and going forward to build this up, to work towards sanctioning all these things, which before her, there, there wasn't that person. So for those who don't know, Canada Soccer had someone looking into professional women's soccer in this country? Yeah, they hired Bria as kind of a first step to, to figure out what we could do. And, right. and Bria, we've been in touch with Bria, and I think everything she's found very much aligns with the plan we brought them. Did you think of partnering with the Canadian Premier League? It would make some sense with owners, stadiums, buildings, and filling their buildings when they have open space. Yeah, we looked at all options in the landscape, and at the end of the day, we felt building this independently was, was the right move for this market, for women's sport. Um, it has the strength to do it and doing it this way allows us to build every piece of it designed for women's soccer in this country and bring on the people specific for that task. I think there's going to be markets. Right. Uh, we're in the same cities. We're looking forward to working with them on that front. But the, the strength of this, I think, is it's going to be built by women for women. Right. And uh, we've already seen some of those names. Back there, Sinclair, uh, Labbe over there. So I think I think you're covered on people who might know a little bit something about about women's yeah, soccer. Yeah, half of this is we're just making jobs for ourselves. You know, we had we keep having to leave the country. We have to leave the country when we play, and we come right. back and we're like, oh, still no work. So we so thought we'd make some jobs. Why not? Uh, so as a dude sitting in a TV station, what about broadcast? Yeah, broadcast, big piece. So uh, Natalie Cook, former VP of a different uh, network. You can say uh, it, TSM. We're okay with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's been on <laughs> the team. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's been incredible. She's been guiding us on this. We know there's two things we want to get right. Mm -hmm. The quality of the product. This has to look like a top-tier professional product. Right. And visibility. So we're going to go with whatever partner can get us the most visibility for Canadians over the next few years. It's, I wish we had more time. I looked up at the clock. It says one minute, 30 seconds. And that's We're going to be working on this for a while. <laughs> yeah, for a so while. We can, we can yeah. come back. I, and I'm really hoping this works. Like a, a pathway. The reason domestic pro leagues uh, need to exist is it gives pathways. It gives player development. It gives coaches development. It gives trainers development. It provides jobs for Canadians in their own country. Um, ideally, we build it out here with a minute left here. What, what's mm -hmm. your best case scenario? for a professional women's league in this country? Uh, like best case uh, end goal here? Yeah. We're, we're going to have one of the top women's leagues in the world. Uh, eight clubs, coast to coast. I think to your point, we're gonna retain more talent in Canada. We're gonna build U Sport as part of that. More women's coaches, more women's referees, more women executives, you know, administrators, women team ownership. Uh, this is a shift in Canadian sport. Women's CONCACAF uh, Champions League is going to come to North America right. in the next few years. So right. like that's something our clubs will be competing in. Champions League titles in North America. This is where we're going. The, the industry is only going to grow over two decades. So we're building the foundation to grow as big as possible. Yeah, people ask me a lot where the growth is in sports when you see guys making $45 million a year. I say women's sports all the time. Women's sports is where the it's growth is. It's just getting started. There's only been money in it for six years. Yeah, men like, men have started. seemed to have maxed out, and there's, there's so much growth there. Um, do you have an idea on the name of the league yet? And if not, yeah. can we help? Uh, Yes, because we do not know the right. league. And in all of our free brainstorming, we're like, right. let's think of a league name. I haven't thought of a good one yet. Well, we're going to hire smart people, but we'll, we'll loop in. Maybe we'll throw it out to the Canadians. Yeah, throw it out to the, to the friends of the show. I mean, yeah. listen, there's a Barclays premiership, right? So there's a sponsorship available uh, available there. Yeah. I don't know if Tim and Friends premiership works, but if it does, you let me know. It okay? depends on that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we're out. Damn it. <laughs> we'll help. 
don't know how much we got. Uh, I really appreciate you coming by and doing this. And I know that we're kind of scratching the surface on what is something that you've obviously been working on for a while. And if ever you want to come back and start peeling back that onion, uh, the door is wide open to you guys. Love to. I'll be back. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Diana Matheson. We have a pro league coming to Canada very soon. 2025 to be exact. Coming up, the Jays bolstered their rotation and their outfield this week. But could they add to either of those positions a wee bit more? We'll talk about it next with Shai Davidi. Next, right here on Tim and Friends. Still to come, smoking fire with Nick Kiprios, but Shai Davidi is in studio with a little fire of his own. Some news to talk about. Yes, we've got Kevin Kiermaier. Yes, the Toronto Blue Jays have signed Chris Bassett. Yes, Ross Stripling has, has gone somewhere else. San Francisco. Yeah, I was going to say something about stripping, and I yeah. thought, you know what? Maybe I should just let that one go. Good yeah, call there. Yeah, good, good call. Go. Well played. Yeah. <laughs> and, and... Shy is the president of the Baseball Writers Associate. What is going on here? We heard this news at the winter meetings. Everyone gave you the uh, the horns that I'm oh, it's not working. trying to find. Oh, Jesse, can on. you help me out? Gotcha. Does yours work? No, nope. yours oh, don't work. We're down horns. across the board. We are down across the board. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to start firing. A delayed fire. uh, I tell you what, this is a, there go. a delayed reaction yeah. to maybe some of the consternation, my imminent Canadianization of the, the BBWAA. <laughs> uh, the president will become prime ministership moving forward. Oh, nice, yes. Yeah, all ties will be settled by five minutes of three-on-three -three overtime, <laughs> followed by a shootout if necessary. Uh, and Putin at all meals. So yeah, good. Good. <laughs> yeah, all Poutine meals. at all meals. That's yeah. all very good. Uh, it sounds like a lot of work, Shai. Uh, it, I'm actually really <laughs> looking forward to it. Nice. It's uh, it's super exciting and a great privilege, obviously, to uh, have the responsibility of uh, all our fellow colleagues and you know making sure that our jobs run as smoothly as possible. And um, really, really looking forward to a year of learning. That's awesome. All right, so uh, of course nobody could poke any holes in the Chris Bassett signing. So immediately the day after, Ross Stripling signs with the San Francisco Giants, and Jays fans are, why didn't they sign him for that money? Yeah, I mean it's not an unreasonable question, no. right? I mean, you definitely feel a lot better about the starting rotation with Ross Stripling in it as opposed to you know looking at the possibility of a Yusei Kikuchi Mitch White combination in the fifth starters role with you know, maybe uh, hopes of a uh, eventual Ricky Tiedemann promotion or maybe Nate Pearson emergence into some sort of hybrid mm -hmm. role. But I think it really comes down to at this point, what are the Blue Jays going to do with the yeah, rest I mean, of their money? And, yeah. you know, are you going to, is that the way to deliver the maximum impact to your team or is it by trying to address uh, the outfield with a left-handed bat? And I still think that they'd like to add one more piece to the back end of their bullpen in some way, shape, or form, too. Mm -hmm. Now, how do they do both of those things? You know, do still feel like there's a, a pretty good chance or a reasonable chance that they trade one of their catchers? Right. I, I also feel like there's a very reasonable chance that they go into the season with all three. But I do feel that's one area where they can take an area with a little bit of surplus, reallocate it, and turn it into a resource that's a little bit more scarce for them. Uh, Joe Siddle on Twitter suggested that he thinks they should go with three. D do you agree with that idea of going with the three catchers? I, I don't hate it, right? Yeah. Because when you have those three guys, I mean, they they're each are bring something a little bit different to the table, right? Like Danny Jansen, tremendous communicator with the pitching staff, 
really uh, well liked for his game calling, is able to really connect with his pitchers. That's a valuable skill. And then Alejandro Kirk, look, I mean, his framing is is borderline elite. Uh, he does a good thrower. Obviously, we know what he does at the plate. Right. Uh, but he's got a DH a fair bit, uh, maybe more so than some of the other guys. And Gabriel Moreno might be a, a nice combination of the two, but he's going to need some runway to develop. Right. And the Blue Jays are a team that needs to win now. And it's tough to have an everyday or a regular catcher learning at the big league level when you're trying to compete. You need a catcher who's able to do some things from a game-calling perspective, from framing and all that. You can't lose strikes. You can't lose outs. You can't make mistakes to certain batters in costly situations or in leverage situations that prove costly. And so I think the combination of the three of them, you can certainly make it work, and then you've got a little bit of protection from a depth perspective if there's an injury or something occurs. But at the same time, the Blue Jays do have other needs, and you can take some of that away and turn it into something that's just as valuable in a different area. You know, That's a pretty good way to build your roster as well. Did the catching market change with Vasquez signing? I think really the... I'm not sure if Vasquez was the the first one. To me, it was Contreras. when the Cardinals went. Yeah, yeah, when the Cardinals signed Contreras, is I really feel, especially from a Blue Jays perspective, there was like some smoke there, right? Uh, they they couldn't really align my understanding, and uh, for what I've I've been told is that the, you know the Cardinals were pretty reluctant to discuss their outfielders, which is would have been what the Blue Jays would have wanted. And so, you know... perhaps? Yeah, I mean, that would have been fit. Or Dylan Carlson, too, for center field, right? Uh, You know, he would have been perfect in a lot of ways because he's also got some control moving forward. Newt Barr as well. So, you know, once that came off the table from a Blue Jays perspective, the the catching market really changed, and then some of the dominoes have started falling since. But that was really the first one the Cardinals going to do, either sign Contreras... Do a deal with Oakland for Murphy. Do a deal with the Jays. Okay, we've only got about three and a half minutes left here, so I want to get a couple in here. The one thing I'm worried about when it comes to the front office and Kikuchi is that they might not be willing to give up on them in year two of a three-year, $36 million deal. What's your level of concern there in that fifth spot? Like It feels like he's going to be given every chance to compete for that fifth spot. I think the way that... I would describe it based on the conversations I've had is that the Blue Jays are not counting on him, but they would like it very much if that happened, right? Gotcha. And I don't think that they should give up on it just yet, right? Like, you think about Robbie Ray when the Jays had him in 2020, and everyone was like, what? And then they re-signed him, and people were like, what on earth are you doing? Didn't you see that how this guy walked everybody? Right. And then it clicked for him. And, you know, I'm not saying the same thing is going to happen with Kikuchi. But it could. It could because the stuff is there. Right. It's like it's tantalizing. So that's, I think, and you can see him in a potential bullpen role as well. I mean, that worked relatively well. It was a short runway at the end of the season. But there was a little bit of promise there, a ton of strikeouts. So enough to, enough to at least chew on, I think. All right, what does your gut tell you about Vladdy and Bo? and their future earnings. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we're going to get to the point of the offseason relatively soon where teams are going to start kicking around extensions, probably about the time when arbitration numbers start getting exchanged, which are probably January, early January sometime, mm-hmm. and then into spring training, those conversations could extend. So the fact that both players are three years away from free agency now, like 
sort of getting to the point where if you're not going to do it, then the player is going to lose incentive to mm-hmm. to to not or to forego the open market. Right. And like especially for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. because he's going to be a super two player. As a super two player, he's going through arbitration the second time. Mm-hmm. Salary is going to be about 14 mil. That's going to be his floor for the next two seasons. So let's say he's a complete disaster at the plate. Still getting 14. He's 14 and 14. So he's going to have 42 over the next three years plus eight that he made last year. So $50 million in this period of earning is his floor. So you're going to have to buy him out of an opportunity with a pretty significant number right. because he's already banked a pretty good amount of cash. Right. Right. So I think for those reasons, uh, you know, this is the window of opportunity. Like, because if you... If he's already going to, you've already got this money in the bank with all that money guaranteed. At that point, how are you going to get him to right. forego if you're not going to give him a big number? Baseball's so, nuts. So they better get it going. There's so much money. Yeah, I mean, three years is a long time, but it's also a short time, yeah. right? And it, it can move quick. So it's a big decision, obviously. But, you know, the, the other piece to kind of keep in mind is that you look at the position players that the Blue Jays have, I mean, most of them have three years of control or, or less. Right. So, you know, if you're not going to start putting some pieces in place longer term, you've got some pitchers in place beyond 2025, uh, you're going to need some guys to play behind them too. Yeah. And you probably want one of your best dudes, if not both of them. Uh, very interesting conversation as we move forward. We appreciate it, Mr. President. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Prime Minister. Prime Minister, thank Mr. you. Minister. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Shai Davidi. Uh, on the other side, we'll tee up the night on the ice. Nick Kiprios is joining us as three in-studio guests. It's weird, to be honest with you. Can <laughs> we change that song, too? <laughs> NHL Talk with Kipper next. Sheepdogs back here, final half an hour on Tim and Friends before hanging off to Hockey Central. We've got Nick Kiprios in studio with lots of percolating around the National Hockey League. But we're going to start this hour with the World Cup. First semifinal earlier today, Lino Messi looking to reach his second final and win his first World Cup. How would he do taking on Croatia in the semis today? Well, it all really got going in the 32nd minute when Dominique Livakovic takes down Julio Alvarez in the area. Debatable call for the penalty. It was awarded. Leo Messi steps up and delivers. Absolute rocket. His fifth of the tournament, 11th career World Cup goal, most by any Argentine player, 1-0. Argentina, 39th minute. Alvarez, ridiculous solo effort, makes it a 2-0 lead at the break. And in the 69th minute, Rob Gronkowski said nice in fact, we all said nice. Watch what Messi does. Absolutely ridiculous. The salad to set up the brace for Alvarez. Inside, outside, come around. Who's that? It's not Brown. It's Lionel Messi. Third goal of the tournament. Third game, excuse me, with a goal and an assist in the tournament. Argentina advanced to the World Cup final for the second time in three editions of the tournament. 3 0 the final. So Argentina now await the winner of France and Morocco in tomorrow's second semi final. The defending champ, France. Big favorites in that one. Final goes on Sunday. 
to basketball and the struggling Raptors got some bad news on the injury front today. OG Ananobi will be out for at least a week with his hip injury before being reevaluated. He's been tremendous on the defensive end this season while averaging 19 points and six boards a game. Nick Nurse also said Otto Porter Jr. is out at least another month and Precious Achua is still weeks away. Raptors host the Kings tomorrow on Sportsnet 1. To hockey, Leafs hosting the Ducks tonight. Toronto has points in 14 straight games and will start Ilya Samsonov tonight. He's a perfect 7-0 at home this season. Leafs lost the Ducks to end a miserable California trip in October. Look how far they've come though, kids. Sheldon Keefe said, that trip may have been the wake-up call they needed. We don't, you know, get to our game real quickly here. Things could really get bad. And uh, so the recognition of coming off that trip and then recognition of, you know, our injury situation, the adversity that was happening with our group, it, you know, it's, uh, it's a time when you get a little gut check, you know, for everybody to be better. And we've built positive momentum that's been hard to, to stop. And we, we've kind of kept rolling with it. Meanwhile, the Oilers taking on the Preds in Nashville. See it regionally, Sportsnet West. Oilers lost to a wild last night with Stuart Skinner in net. Jack Campbell gets a call in the second half of back-to-backs. He has only started one of the Oilers' last eight games and holds the goals against average of 4.12 this season. The Jets hosting the Golden Knights in a matchup of two of the top teams in the West. Golden Knights beating the Jets in their two previous meetings this season and lead the Pacific, while the Jets are top to central heading in. Our friend Sean Reynolds is standing by in Winnipeg. Sean, being around the team, are you feeling that belief growing amongst the boys that this might be sustainable? Yeah, well, they better feel it because the game that's been producing so much results for this team, they've just been getting it over and over and over again. And that game has been focused on defense. Rick Bonus came in here. That's what he was trying to fix, the Jets' defense. Well, he's done that. Their third, uh, they, they've allowed the third fewest goals in the NHL so far this year. The, the question was this highly potent offensive team, this collection of Winnipeg Jets players, would that hold them down offensively? Well, it may have done so at the beginning of the year, but over the last three weeks, they're one of the highest scoring teams in the NHL. So it all seems to be firing on all cylinders right now, and that's a good thing because they're playing this Golden Knights team that, as you said, they took it to the Jets a couple times already this year. The Jets did escape with one point in one of those games, but Connor Hellebuck kind of goalied them. The Jets didn't deserve the point, although uh, Connor Hellebuck sure did, but was talking with Mark Stone earlier on today. He said that's in the distant past. They've got two new coaches. He thinks it may have been a, a, a situation where we got to our new game quicker than they did, so they're expecting something entirely different, and no doubt the Vegas Golden Knights beat up right now with injuries, so a good opportunity here for the Jets to close that gap for first in the Western Conference. Live from Winnipeg, Sean Reynolds. Always appreciate you doing this, man. Anytime. There is Sean Reynolds in Manitoba. NHL Board of Governors meetings wrapping up today. Big topic on the agenda, salary cap, something Gary Bettman addressed kind of earlier today. The budgeting projections that we have now are pretty robust. We're anticipating having a very good season, but if we do even better by ballpark an additional 140 or 150 million dollars it's conceivable the escrow will go away 
uh, and then the cap will go up to 86 in the mid-range, 86 plus. Uh, we'll have to see. The sense I get from the questions you're asking is somehow there's now an expectation that the cap should be going up more. That's not what the agreement provides for based on the current circumstances. Nick Kiprios in the studio, your reaction to Mr. Bettman discussing yeah. the salary cap because I had a bit of a go at it earlier today. Yeah, I, I think in a perfect world, he'd love it. He's feeling a ton of pressure from the teams to push this thing up. There's no question we know what the, the landscape is for some of the bigger market teams. The Leafs with the handcuffs. The Rangers made some big commitments. They're handcuffed. There's a ton of teams, especially the ones that uh, have a lot of clout in the league that are pushing for the number to go up. Here's Gary's problem is that he's got to deal with the Players Association, and if they're not on board with how this thing shapes up, uh, then it doesn't move. It just goes to a million dollars next year. But isn't it good for the players for it to move as you well? Know, like it feels like it's good for the game. What's for it to good, move. Uh, Tim? is to wipe off the debt ASAP. If you push the cap up, it does something to the debt. Right. And we're also dealing with the Players Association that is in a transition. Since Donald Fear got fired, right. um, there's nobody there. And they are looking now at, at naming a new executive director. When is that going to happen? Right. When are they going to narrow in? Who's going to now go and negotiate for the players on, on what the effect of the debt would be if the cap goes up $4 million next year. The Players Association is not in a position without an executive director, a new one, to do a deal like that. It felt like the end of that, Gary, was negotiating a little bit already. Without a doubt. But that, yeah. listen, it's the Board of Governor meetings, it's them, it's the media. Right. They're, they're controlling a lot of the narrative right. on, on what they want out. And it's a perfect scenario for three days. Everybody's in the sun. Pass me a cocktail. Right. And, uh, and let's go report on this. And let's go report on this. Do you miss the Board of Governors meetings at all? <laughs> <laughs> at night, yeah. when all my hits are done, <laughs> yeah. yes, I miss it very much. Now, was that a, a few drinks, a good meal? Was yes. there, yeah, okay. Yeah, right. and a lot of BS being thrown around. <laughs> right, right. Uh, speaking of uh, people saying things, I don't know if you caught Bo Horvat's statement earlier yes. today. Strange. For, for those who missed <laughs> it, uh, in the middle of the day, Eastern time, it was morning out west in Vancouver, Bo Horvat released a statement saying, basically, I'm not going to say anything about these rumors that are swirling right now. I'm focused on the season and playing for the Vancouver Canucks, helping the team in any way I can. I will not have any further comments this year about my future so he goes to the skate today and guess what he was asked about it nick uh, at this point it's just it's it's not about me i mean uh, you know i've always wanted to keep this kind of thing confidential and i've always um right from the beginning of the season uh, when the season started i just wanted to focus on hockey and focus on the team and and winning games and, and trying to lead this team by example and and not let this be a distraction and um you know that's why i kind of released a statement where I just want to, you know, people to respect my, my privacy and, and my choice to, um, you know, keep this confidential and private. And, and right now I'm just trying to focus on the team. What do you make of that? Well, all of that. What do I, all of it? <laughs> yeah. What do I make all, out of all of it? I think that uh, for whatever reason, it seems like in the last 24, 48 hours, the perception out there is that 
Vancouver made this big push, this right. final push, uh, and he rejected it, and now it's gone to another level. I get the vibe that nothing's really changed in the last few weeks, right. and they've never been a legitimate offer. Right. And in many ways, if it kind of leaked out in the last little while about this, there might be uh, a thought that uh, this is the easiest way to start drumming up some interest. Without a doubt it is. I so, mean, put the two and two together. Like, that comes from the team, right? It doesn't come from the player that I rejected their latest offer. That's right. And it, some, some people want to make phone calls from every team. Right. Other GMs, they're on group chats constantly. Right. And then there's others that say, no, I'm going to just I'm gonna send this vibe out and I'm going to have teams now flood me with calls. Right. So it's an interesting one with uh, with the Canucks captain and what they do moving forward and whether or not they're all aligned because it doesn't feel like there's much alignment from ownership through management down to the coach and the players and who he's playing. Uh, it's a bit of a mess. Anyways, let's let's move on to a little smoker fire. And as I've explained many times, I'm a firm believer that when you smell smoke, <laughs> you must investigate whether or not yeah. there is fire to be seen. So I'm going to give Kipper uh, some of the smoke that we've been hearing these last couple of days. And one of the best insiders in the game over the last couple of decades will tell me if it's just smoke yeah. or if it's actual fire. I'll start with this. The Eric Carlson rumors won't stop. Yeah. Now we're hearing that the Oilers have interest in the two-time Norris winner. Smoke or fire on the Oilers' interest on Eric Carlson? Okay, let me guess. Smoke's like, uh, fire's the big one. And fire's, smoke's the little one. The little one. Okay, we're going with a little bit of a smoke uh, signal here. Okay. I, I don't envision a type of deal like this with uh, over $11 million on the table for, what, another three years. This is not an easy deal. This is very complicated on a guy that has tremendous wear and tear uh, and, and with health issues. If Carlson gets moved, I, I will be shocked between now and the trade deadline. To me, this has a feel of a summertime kind of scenario where teams want to make a, 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 a bigger change. Uh, I don't see it happening during the season. Just because they can't figure out the $11 million? Is that what you're... Well, how much are they going to pick? First right. of all, Edmonton's as big of a crunch as anybody oh, out anyway, there. Yeah. Like, how do you just drop in 11? Does San Jose pick up uh, 30%, 40%, or, or half of it? If you can convince them to keep half, uh, perhaps you, you've got a, a, you got a, a decent RV, scenario. And then you add a little bit here and a little it's, bit there. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's, it's going to get it done. All right. So smoke. Smoke, not fire. Uh, the Habs might be busy in the next few months. We've yes. heard rumors around Josh Anderson, Sean Monahan, now Joel Edmondson. Uh, is he on the block? Smoke or fire? Fire. Yeah. Yeah. No. No question. If you want to talk back to Edmonton, this is more the obvious choice for the Edmonton Oilers, and it's just a matter again uh, uh, working out uh, the logistics of it. How far do you want to go in? The thing about uh, Joel Edmondson, which is quite attractive, is he's at he has another year. This is not a rental, right? So you are in a position now where you're going to have to pay for another guy who I believe is at three and a half million dollars. Yeah. It's not. It's not crazy. It's a nice fit for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, this to me has fire written all over it. Uh, they don't have a, a later first round date. pick back for Edmonton, do they? To me, it, it, it Edmonton will not have the demand of a Ben Chirot who right. got a first rounder. Right. So I think you're in the ballpark of a, a second or a, and a third or 
two seconds is probably the equivalent to a first. So right. I, I think it's just it's underneath. It shouldn't cost just Edmonton underneath the first that? round. Yes. All right. Uh, we, we talked about Bull Horvat and what's circling around him. He's still got 20 goals in 28 games yeah. last I checked. People like guys who score goals for their team. Elliot Friedman wrote in 32 Thoughts that it's not trending well. He makes the statement today. He follows up the statement today. Horvat's days are numbered in Vancouver, smoke or fire? No, fire. Yeah, yeah it's, they, they don't think he's a premier centerman. They don't think he's, he passes well enough and his numbers don't support uh, being much past, I think, $7 million. Now, I mean, is he a 35, 40 goal scorer when it's all said and done this year? I got to think that his number would start north of seven and a half, eight million. And uh, Vancouver's been clear all along. They're not willing to pay that. But there will be other teams out there. Keep an eye on the Boston Bruins here. They got to go replace Bergeron and Krejci next year. Mm. That would be a perfect fit for him. And he seems like a Boston type of guy, right? Like I think he'd go over well in Boston, uh, which is what they look for. I, I, I saw this and I just had to have some fun with it. Yaromir Jagr's 50, turns 51 in February. He suited up for Kladno in his first game and he had two assists. Smoke or fire? If the opportunity presented itself, Jagr could still play in today's NHL at 50. Uh... Fire, he could. He, he could. could. Really? I'm, not, I'm not telling you he'll be any good, and I'm not telling you he's going to make a difference for you, uh, but I am telling you uh, if you dressed me in a Blue Jay uniform and I stood out in left field, I, in between actual game coverage, I could look pretty good too. <laughs> so, so, I mean, what's he got to do? He's got to go out there, skate up and down for 30 seconds, and right. come off the ice. I mean, not going to look crazy out of place. Is he going to help you win? Is he going to be a difference maker? Is he going to advance you past the first round? No, no, and no. Right. But he might be able to set up something on the power play. Okay. He's 50. <laughs> I know he's 50. That's 50. why I'm asking it. You get discounts at Chopper's Drug Mart at that age. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to the NHL trophies. And uh, earlier today, I don't know if you heard this, but the NBA announced new names and trophies for uh, their major awards. Uh, MVP has now become the Michael Jordan Trophy. Um, would the NHL do the same thing? And if so, which one would well, you rename? Correct me if I'm wrong, though. Along with the new Michael Jordan Award, mm -hmm. isn't it brought to you by somebody? <laughs> that might be buried in the lead. Is that the buried story. in the lead? Take a look again. Yeah, I got to double check. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, they sold these trophies, if if I if I'm correct. Okay. And if you ask I don't, me, I don't know offhand. I don't know. I I just saw the I'm just, the headline. I, I not not acting like full I know disclosure. Anymore. I'm not sure either. Okay. I didn't have a chance to kind of follow it up, but I do believe that there's something involved. Oh, it's Kia. Oh, yeah, okay. Kia All the right. Michael Jordan Trophy yeah. will be will be given to the Kia Presented MVP. Presented by Kia. Yeah. Is what I'm what I'm being told. There's a tie. Right. You're asking me with the NHL follow this? Uh, it has a Kia logo on the truck. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. I don't think they paid probably, you know, 100 bucks for that. Like, otherwise, why would you do this? Exactly. Nobody, nobody asked Kia performance so awards. So are you asking me now, are the NHL awards going to be for sale 
in yes. the next little while? Then the answer is yes, yes. for both of us. The answer yes. is yes. yes. They might do this like tomorrow. Yeah, they might. <laughs> we might see. But like, if you look at some of the awards, like the Hart Trophy was donated by a doctor in 1923. Like, I know that there's some history there, yeah. but like, don't change it. Yeah. You don't think you should change no. it? I mean, I understand the money thing, but like, let's get serious. You don't have to sell when, every when single When Art Ross wasn't a sport. great scorer, you know that, right? I don't care. When, it's tradition. Uh, but what, what, what's the tradition based on? And does anyone really care about the tradition? No, but Listen, no, if you're just selling it, no. I get your point. Yeah. But you don't even know who Art Ross is. But nobody cares that they just changed the award to the Michael Jordan Trophy either. Nobody asked for that. So what's the point? Well, but there's, Other than the money. there's, there's some meaning to it. There's yeah. no meaning to the Art Ross Trophy for many NHL fans because they don't even know who Art Ross it's was. It's nicer that a doctor donated the... I, ha I had to look that up earlier today. I did not. I work in the business. I did not know. Did you know who the Hart Trophy was? No. No. <laughs> no. So Gene what you're Hart. saying is don't change it. And here are two guys that work yeah. in the business and have for a long time. We don't even know what the bleep it is. No. I know. But we are post pandemic right where the dollar has never meant more to these uh yeah. greedy buy it. people yeah. and yeah. it will get sold everything has a price right now like and dollar, Wayne Gretzky where, where does it follow you think presented uh, by Tim and friends you, Ted yeah. Biasi needs yeah. to come in here there's a I corporate sponsor that would gladly want to share uh, a trophy with Wayne Gretzky and we'll pay top premium dollar. It's coming. We saw it on the jerseys. How many people are, are, are still talking about, oh, I don't like milk or I don't like RBC on Montreal? It's over. It, they, had their, they had their say. They don't like it. If you revisit it, they'll tell you they don't like it, but they're not talking about it night to night. They it's just true. see the Montreal Canadiens. Milk's pretty good. The moral of the story. Everyone has a price Everybody. for the million dollars. I'm going to start wearing sponsorships on. Nick Kiprios, Jesse Rubinoff. Last call is coming up next, although we've changed the sponsorship. It's game time, so I should not call it last right. call, although we may have a drink after this throw. Game time <laughs> is next, or I will. You should be called last call. God's honest truth, we hope that your game day always starts with Tim and friends. Here's what's untapped tonight. Hockey Central follows us in minutes. Then it's the Isles and Bruins. Pretty good game on Sportsnet. Bruins yet to lose in regulation at home this season. Oilers and Preds is a regional game on Sportsnet West. Caps and Hawks, Sportsnet 1. OV, four goals behind Gordie Howe entering play. Before you say Tim, he'll never do it. Remember, Gretzky got five to hit 50 in his magical night. So it could happen. And the red-hot Joel Embiid and the Sixers host the Kings. You can see that one on Sportsnet now. As for Kipper, Rubinoff, and I, it's game time. All right, before we got game time, I got a tweet. Kipper fired up the people. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff writes in and says, me running to shoppers after learning from Kipper that 50-year-olds get it. <laughs> <laughs> tons are tough right now. Every dollar counts. Very, very good. Good on you. All right, it's game time as we focus in on the games that you'll be watching tonight. And the Leafs will look to extend their point streak to 15 games when they host the Anaheim Ducks. They're coming off a 5-4 overtime win over the Flames on Saturday with William Nylander scoring the game winner on the Leafs' sixth power play of the game. And afterwards, Daryl Sutter had some thoughts on the officiating. Well, that's one thing I learned a long time ago, Eric. When you're in, the, in Chicago all those years, when you play and you come into Toronto, you know what goes on. 
I would say nothing more. <laughs> Gipper, is there anything to that? Uh, say no, there's anything. zero to that. Uh, that's just a wily veteran kind of taking off uh, uh, or deflecting the fact that his team is blowing points to teams like Columbus. Yeah. And uh, uh, that, that he wrote the lead for, uh, for many. Without uh, a doubt. Day. No one's talking about <laughs> so whether or not true. they lost points in yeah. Columbus or Toronto. They're talking about whether or not games uh, lead the Leafs' way in Toronto. Yeah. By the way, we crunched the numbers. Uh, the Leafs are the fifth, excuse me, sixth worst at home in power play opportunities in the yeah. National There hockey. you go. So there is no truth to that unless you think the Leafs somehow didn't deserve any of those calls. They are 27th in the league in power play opportunities at home. Facts. That's what we're here for. Just numbers. By the way, there's a few Canadian teams on that list, by the way. <laughs> so if we think that the referees favor Canadian teams. Maybe it's the other way, yeah. Maybe it's the other way. <laughs> Sheldon, uh, yeah, he should have his own press conference. <laughs> to counter it. Uh, Islanders and Bruins coming up on Sportsnet. As mentioned, pretty good game. Boston best record in the NHL this season and they have yet to lose at home in regulation. While it's been an up and down season for the Islanders, they've had some success as an underdog going 4-1 when they have odds longer than plus 135. Tonight, they're plus 210 to win on Bet Rivers. Kipper, some value here. What do you make of the Islanders as of late? Yeah, you know what? Uh good on Lou for kind of turning it around. You still look at that team and you're, you don't see many all-stars on it, but uh, still getting it done uh, the old-fashioned way, discipline and uh, and uh, rolling three and a half, four lines. Yeah, working their ass off. You know, Boston to me though is still is a team. Is that the cream of the crop? Yeah, I think that, uh, well, look at even a guy like Nick Foligno. All yeah. of a sudden, he's made himself a player again. He's healthy. He feels good. Mm -hmm. um, but this is a deep hockey club. Let me ask you a question that I asked Jesse yesterday, so maybe we can settle the score here. Leafs and Bruins playing a seven-game series yeah. right now. Yeah. Who wins that series? Yeah, I, I still go uh, with a little bit more grit and sandpaper in the Boston Bruins. So would they be the best team in the NHL right now? Right now, I think they are. <laughs> I think I think they are in the East, anyways. The, the, Jesse said the opposite. Like, I just, I, I, I'm why just winding it up, and he's staring yeah. at me every oh. question that I ask. <laughs> just been there, done that. It's different. Yeah. And, is different. It's a different. And Bergeron and, and Krejci still uh, seem to be able to hit higher levels than uh, they should mm -hmm. be at this time of their careers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like them. I tend to agree. I'm sorry. What's the definition of insanity? Is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result? Yeah. You got to be insane to yeah. pick the Leafs. I, I would think. No, no, but you Bruins. said you said they're the best team in the NHL right now. Yeah. Right the now, season. If, if I'm Kyle so Dubas. All right, I'm being told by a bunch more stories. I'll move on. The Lakers, By the way, Kyle Dubas, Dubas, <laughs> Dubas has to trade now to think about beating the Boston Bruins between now and March. Yeah. And and we should give him some credit because those goalies have worked out. Terrific so far. So far. Yeah, yeah, really good. Okay, the Lakers host the Celtics tonight in L.A. Last night, LeBron and Carmelo Anthony were on hand to watch their sons go head-to-head -head in a nationally televised high school basketball game 20 years after LeBron and Carmelo faced off as high schoolers, which is extremely cool. Bronny James had 12 points as his team came up with the victory, and he threw down a first-quarter dunk very reminiscent of the one by his father 20 years ago. Bronny's a senior yet to make a decision on his basketball future. Tim, you're hoping to see him playing in the NBA with LeBron. 
When he does, I hope the Kardashians aren't there yeah, like they <laughs> were last that? night What's at a high that? school game. What's up with that? They know exactly what the Kardashians were at yeah, that game. I saw it. Unbelievable. Kipper, uh, very believable that you helped this show immensely. Thanks for doing this. Love being here, guys. Uh, there is Nick Kiprios. That's Jesse Rubinoff. We thank you for watching. And beg of you, come visit us tomorrow on Tim and Friends.